Many of us create our YouTube videos when we have some free time. We do it before work or after work, in between family time, and essentially we're chasing those views and subscribers. But I wonder how much attention we're giving to the stuff that actually matters, like structure, like the audience, like standing out in a saturated niche. Yep, it's those fundamentals that make or break a channel. It's those fundamentals that take it from a hobby channel to a real business, allowing you to earn lots of income on this lovely platform. So, if this is what you've been wondering about, today's episode is exactly for you. Let's do this. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I am a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ where every day we help creators big and small level up their channels, get more subscribers, more views in less time. As YouTube creators, we tend to be a little bit of the creative type. You know, we tend to be unstructured, fly by the seat of our pants kind of people. Spontaneity is king and we just do what we do best. But is that really a good thing? And is that a really a good thing all the time? Or do we need a little bit of structure because that is really gonna help our YouTube channel. Well, Gwen Miller is the VP of content for Kin. She has been working with lots of celebrity types of channels and she has got some very firm thoughts about us being structured. Gwen, welcome to Tube Talk. Thank you for having me. Oh, so Gwen, what is Kin? Let's start at the beginning so people get an understanding of where you're coming from and why we have to listen to you. Perfect. So Kin is a digital lifestyle company. We are an OG in the space. We've been around since 2007. So we've definitely been through every iteration of the industry <laughs> and have a lot of experience, especially in the lifestyle space. We have been, uh, we concentrate on women's content for women, uh, you know, between the ages of 18 to 44, I really say our real sweet spot is that 25 to 34 year old age range, which in this space are kind of, you know, it is old for the digital space, uh, but we definitely have seen a big opportunity and had a lot of success. You know, we, uh, we've, we work with a lot of, uh, you know, talent like Tia Mari, Jeannie Mai, Adrian Houghton, to name a couple, and mm. more than I can name after that. But, you know, <laughs> we really do work with people who are really interested and passionate about the space and really do have the time to dedicate. We are, we, we, we're full service. We work, we work from, you know, the beginning of the process to the end, but we're still looking for celebrities who aren't just interested in YouTube as kind of a passing fad because everyone else is doing it, that really want to dedicate themselves to building the audience and interacting with the audience and reacting to the audience needs and desires and really creating community more than just, hey, I need another platform that's going to, you know, make me more famous. Love it. So people who are actually passionate, actually want to make that connection and actually grow a channel around them as opposed to yet another publicity place to have my reels and my shows, right? Thousand percent, thousand percent. Love it, love it, love it. So you said you've been around for a while. You've worked with lots of different types. Let's start at the big high level question. I mean, how important is having some sort of structure or some sort of order 
to the way that we approach YouTube as a whole before we get into the video structure itself? Look, when you're especially for, you know, the average creator who, who's starting from scratch, like in the first couple years, you really are in a situation where you're creating your best work, the work that you love, and you're hoping it catches on in the zeitgeist. And that is really great. That's how we, it, that's how a lot of uh, the new great talent on the platform surfaces. Uh, the issue is if you really want to make YouTube your career and, and you're passionate about it, like you can't always rely on the zeitgeist forever. Like the zeitgeist is going to move on. So that's mm -hmm. the difference between structure is the difference between having a couple year career where you just randomly accidentally have an alignment with the zeitgeist and what you're doing. And once that passes you by, you have to find another career or there are, you know, those personalities and talent on, on the internet that have figured out how to uh, to move with the zeitgeist and how to stay true to themselves for sure, but also have an awareness of where the trends are moving and uh, what they need to do to make sure they keep growing. The biggest thing that I work, when I work with creators, that they come to me and say is like, when I don't get why I'm not growing. Like I have a very passionate core audience base. My subscribers come back every single video, but I, I have no idea why I'm not getting new people in. And I'm like, look, what levers are you pulling? There is only a couple levers on the platform that, that actually get new eyeballs into your videos. If you're not pulling any of those levers, your current audience can be as happy as they want to be, but you're not getting any new eyeballs. But there's also the opposite is true. A lot of people end up chasing those viral videos that are gonna get a lot of new eyeballs in to the detriment of their current subscriber base who has subscribed for something that may not be as clicky and, and view, view filled, but got you a loyal audience base. And that is even worse than the other way around, because then you're going to build this new audience who's not going to like your old content. So they'll see the old content content and not stay. Then the old people are just going to drop away. So yeah. you've got to, you got to look at your schedule every single month and think to yourself, what do I need to do here to make sure I'm satisfying my current audience and bringing in new eyeballs. And that's where the balancing of your uploading schedule comes in. You can't have too much of the, you know, the subscriber reward videos, but you can't have too much of the, this is, this is for people who I just want to bring in eyeballs. So that's what I encourage creators to look at is let's look at your, at what you have laid out, which of these videos are videos that you kind of need to be an insider to enjoy. And which of these videos are videos, for example, that it's, if I don't know who you are, I'm still going to click on. And then finally, finally, there's more than that. You need to make sure you're experimenting every month. It gets back to that zeitgeist thing. Mm. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, yes, you, that, that focus is very much needed to grow your channel. But you need to be, every month I say, reserve a video that's going to be pushing your envelope a little bit, right? So that you can then say, oh, I'm dipping a toe over here. How did people react? Now you know, let's try to dip a toe over there. And then maybe six months later, you're going to dip back a toe here because things change so quickly. Mm -hmm. So focus, make sure you're appealing to your core audience and new audiences and make sure you're always experimenting. So that was a lot. <laughs> um, yes, sir. But so one of the things that you mentioned was about chasing the viral videos, because then mm -hmm. when you get a viral video, it can actually hurt your channel. And right. if I heard you correctly, you're saying that you'll want more views. So more subscribers. So you're going to be chasing yet another viral video, but that's maybe not your core audience. Can we unpack that a little bit and how 
chasing a viral video can actually hurt our channels. So I'm going to take an example that actually happened to a channel I was working with. Um, this was a channel that uh, was doing, um, you know, she wanted to be a social media guru. Like she was great. Her tips were great, really core content. Everything about the channel was, was amazing for what she's doing. It is, of course, a little bit of a niche and mm -hmm. was therefore a little bit slower growing. She found that if she put up occasionally a Justin Bieber reaction video, um, this is back in, in that era, uh, <laughs> she, would, she would get this, this influx of views. Like there was a ton of her views being driven by these just, Justin Bieber reaction videos. But you know, the problem was, if you're a Justin Bieber fan, it does not necessarily mean you want tips on, you know, Instagram you know, right. filters. Right. Uh, and, and vice versa, you know, yes, there is social media aficionados who are also Justin Bieber fans. But if you really are, say, trying to build up your, your Instagram presence, you're not necessarily, you may not like Justin Bieber. So you started to see in her channel, there was people leaving. Uh, because they were like, I keep seeing these Justin Bieber reaction videos. That's not what I signed up for. I'm out of here. Right. And the Justin Bieber people, you know, typically someone will watch the video and then they'll poke through another couple of videos to decide if they're going to subscribe. And once they saw what this content, it wasn't totally just a yeah. Justin Bieber fan channel. They didn't stay either. So over time, it proved to be more detrimental than it was helpful for her. Okay. So she had those little bumps in views maybe some bumps in subscribers, but the danger could be of trying to repeat that and doing yet another Justin Bieber reaction video. You're starting to move away from why you're there on the platform in the first place. And in this particular case, it was to build the social media guru kind of side of things, not be the Justin reaction fan channel. A thousand percent. And I think it's really comes back to always ask yourself the question, who is my audience? Mm. Is this new video I'm putting out going to appeal to that same audience? It doesn't mean you can't experiment. Like, say you started out as a food channel. It doesn't mean you can't experiment in other lifestyle areas. But you have to think at, is this person that I've built up, say, uh, you know, it's a 25, 34-year-old woman who likes to watch food content. You might, this audience may also like some other lifestyle mm -hmm. topics mm -hmm. you're doing, but you don't know that until you test it. But I can tell you, you probably won't do so well if you then throw on like a, you know, a, a hardcore gaming video on that <laughs> yes. Like, you just got to kind of know your audience. Mm. And, you know, it's very broad when you say 25, 34, 34-year-old women. I work with only channels that appeal to that audience. Every single one of the audiences for those channels is very different. Yeah. They react to different things. I can tell you exactly what a woman from Jeannie's audience is going to like versus a woman from Adrian's audience. Right. And you would think they would be super similar, but they're really not. So you have mm -hmm. to spend time in your own data and learning your own audience and knowing where you can kind of push the envelope and where you need to kind of stay in your lane. I found that a lot of creators that, we, that I work with are simply have this broad kind of notion of who their actual avatar is, who their actual viewer is. But once you start pushing that and you say getting specific, getting granular, knowing what they want, their intentions, what are they going to do with this information? It really helps define the structure of your video. thousand percent. Yes, exactly. Okay. Good. All right. So far we're on the same page. I like it. We're not fighting yet. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about the experimentation because I think that 
you know, in the old days of YouTube, there was the whole, oh, don't touch it. YouTube knows your channel. Don't go weird. You don't want to destroy your channel. But I think that has changed a lot. And we always tell people that you do have to know what works and what doesn't. And the only way to know what's not going to work is to experiment and try something new. Otherwise, you'll always be doing what you've done. But the world changes so often, so frequently, and the audience change, the intentions change. Uh, what are the tips that you have for us maybe on where should we draw the line or is experimenting really going to hurt our channel? Yeah, this is really interesting because having me in this business for a very long time, like, uh, you know, from pretty much the beginning, <laughs> like, I remember thinking with the first wave of YouTubers, I'm like, I really want to jump forward like five to 10 years because what is, yes, what is that inflection point? Can you do the same thing <laughs> for 10, 20 years and not have people get bored with it? Do, does the, do people get bored of you before you burn out or the other way around? I think we have found that people tend to burn out first. Yes, yes. Now, there's many cases where you can see where people have just got tired of people's shtick and being like they've been doing the same thing over and over again. But the more common thing I see happen is creators burn out and then they decide to essentially go nuclear on themselves. And they're so burnt out, they're like, I am no longer a beauty channel. All I want to do is scripted comedy videos. And overnight, suddenly it's a scripted comedy channel. Like, you can't do that. You know, there's great examples of, um, of creators like RCL Beauty who started to, like, you know, mix in some more funny skits and stuff like that. And that really worked for her. She, that, she was still very, very popular, but she didn't suddenly like, be like, I'm burned out burned out. I hate you all now. I want a different audience. I want, I want, I want right. totally different content. She really did kind of you know, introduce her audience to it slowly and get them used to it. And at the end of the day, they embraced it. So it really is managing your, your yourself. And I always say it's, a, it's, it's why when also when this is kind of a tangent, when creators come to me and say, should I be putting up three episodes a week? I'm like, can you put up three episodes a week and not burn down and burn, down, yes. burn out your channel in, yeah. in, in a year? Because the, we're in the long game here. Like we're not in, in this, it, YouTube is for sure not a short-term game. Like you are not making big bucks immediately. And if you can't really put yourself in a situation where you can sustain yourself for five, 10 years, it's just not the career for you. And so you have to be very much aware of your own limitations mm -hmm. and be able to make changes slowly. It takes a lot of discipline to your point. So, so that this brings me to, a question, do you make videos and content for you or are you making videos and content for your audience? Oh, that's a great question. That's one of my favorite questions. Ooh. Because look, I always say, you know, I work for the audience. That is who I work for. If I want to make videos for me, I can go off and make myself a hobby channel. You know, I can go off, and I actually did this at one point. I encourage anyone who is working on, on YouTube but maybe is not the talent, like, I encourage you to actually try it yourself for a while. So for a hot second, I was a booktuber. <laughs> was not very good at it. Nobody go and find these videos because they're really embarrassing, but I learned a lot. But that was very much niche, and that's what I was like, what can I make long-term and talk about? And that was books. Now that was great. 
but I would never go to Ken and pitch them, let's do a booktube channel with me. Like, it's just way too right, niche. Right. It's not going to grow an audience. But, like, look, I always say when I'm hiring producers, like, I, you know, I hire producers who obviously have a connection with the content, but it's also like, it's not always going to be a thousand percent you because you're working for someone else. This is Adrian's channel. This is Jeannie's channel. This is Tia's channel. We are projecting their voice. Yes. So you have to think about what's going to serve them and especially what's going to serve the specific audience base. Like make your own hobby content for you. We're here to super serve that audience. And that, A, yes, there's an ulterior motive that it makes us very successful. But at the end of the day, nobody owes us their eyeballs. None of these, none of these audiences owes to watch right. our little hobbies. Mm. Like, they are there because they want to be. And if we don't serve that, then we're not doing our job. Okay, I like that. So it's about the, again, it goes back to the audience. Audience, audience, audience. What do they want to see? What are they expecting? And that kind of almost defines your channel versus a hobby channel which you can do weird stuff and, and and have fun and experiment and there's nothing wrong with that but there's a big difference between a career on youtube and just making a little bit of extra bucks on the side whilst you're doing fun stuff on youtube the two worlds yeah. are not the same Correct. okay so so we started to get the picture we got to get serious we got to get structured we got to understand our audience we know whether we got to be talking on point now the question is you know, we always say you've got to be niche on YouTube. You've got to own your domain. You've got to really embrace it. I'm in the technology game, but I can't have a technology channel. That's way too broad. I've got to be very, very specific. Is there such a thing as too specific? Could we be niche within a niche? Where do we kind of find, figure out our space where we're not doing the same content literally again and again and again and kind of branching out too far away from our core audience? a big believer that it's really about who the audience is that you built initially like it is very hard if you built an audience over years that are hardcore bakers hmm. then you might figure out oh but there really isn't enough hardcore bakers for me to be you know the next you know billionaire youtuber like you're probably not going to be now that might be okay for you maybe like i just want to make a living on this that's mm -hmm. fine you know, I, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not doing the Rosanna Panzino popular baking. I really built this on hardcore bakers. Right. That's fine. But you just have to realize that that's probably going to narrow, narrow your kind of opportunity. opportunities mm -hmm. a little bit. But in a lot of ways, if you're someone who doesn't have already a name brand out there, you know, making your name in something that's more niche can definitely be the quicker way to now, you can potentially run that out of it if you're like, are oh, my hardcore bakers are actually are also interested in my life? Okay, so maybe I start edging it out there and I'm also talking about my life around baking, you know, and you can see if that way you can kind of open it up a bit, but also it, it can be difficult because then the more, you know, maybe dabblers come in and they're not interested in your hardcore baking videos. Right. So I, I always say, you know, you need to kind of start off the way you mean to go on. It might be if you are like, I'm going to build my name in this like really small niche, but then I, I think I can expand it out. You may want to at least introduce the idea to your audience early on. Yes. And you may also see some other stuff because you're setting expectations early. 
Uh, mm -hmm. I always, uh, whenever we do our, our, our channels, I sit down with our talent. It's a little bit different with celebrity talent because they already kind of have a broad audience relation. So I can't really, I can't really right. narrow down too tightly. Like I couldn't do a knitting channel with a celebrity. Like, <laughs> like maybe 1% of their audience is going to be interested in knitting. Like, maybe. maybe. <laughs> exactly. So like we tend to like, I usually sit down with them and be like, okay, what are kind of three to four passion areas? We're going to make sure in the first two months we introduce all those passion areas. So you have the license to uh, dabble in those as we go on. Can we introduce new stuff as we go on? Yes. But at least that way, if we haven't produced like eight food videos in a row, like once you do that, like you are a food channel, you're stuck with it. That's it. <laughs> but yeah. if we've done, if we've done food and maybe you've tried, tried some skincare, a little, a little other stuff, it sets the expectation for people being like, Oh, she really likes food. I'm going to see some great food stuff, but I might also get other stuff. And people are okay with that because we're not just one type of person. We, we, we might want to come. I came for the baking stuff, but maybe I stayed for the skincare routine as well. Because it's nice to have a different side of the creator that we're watching. The, the exactly. question is, though, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I almost kind of look at it as my Netflix situation. I'm sitting at Netflix. I'm watching a one type of movie. I push play. I don't want to be interrupted by the sports, the weather, and then 10 minutes later mm -hmm. goes back to my show. And then 20 minutes later tells me about politics and then goes back to my show. That's just too interrupt. I, I'm, I mean, I'm done. Are we not worried that if I'm here for the baking at every once in a while, you throw in something else that we maybe are going to upset some of our audience or are we okay with that? Because we're saying, look, I do lifestyle. Lifestyle gives me the, the, almost the liberty to experiment with a couple of different genres within lifestyle. Yeah. And I also think that comes back to a key thing that I find it gives people longevity on the platform, which is building things up around your personality. Maybe people came in for your, for your baking, but let's go back to Rosanna Pantino. I keep bringing up Rosanna because Ken worked with her for many, many years. Right. Uh, and she's, she's a good example of, you know, yes, she she became known for these popular baking videos around cool, nerdy-looking cakes. Like, it's it was really about cool-looking baking goods, right? Mm -hmm. um, but over time, people be fell in love with her personality. And then she had the license to be like, okay, here's some more about my life. Here's some more about me. And at the end of the day, people were there for her personality enough to the point that they're going to watch other videos about other topics just because they want to see her do it. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean, again, you can't then, she couldn't go off and do electronic reviews, like, but she could say, do like, I'm trying the funniest products from Amazon, I found. Yes. Because yeah. at the end of the day, that's less about the hardcore niche area and more about Rosanna's personality. And for a lot of creators, that's where you kind of need to get is people need to be more in love with you than in anything you're actually doing. Okay, love it. So make your channel about you so people connect with you and therefore that gives you the ability and the flexibility to kind of jump around a little bit, just stay within your lanes though. So jump around, but because they came for you, they love you, they're willing to give you lots of leeway as you're figuring out different stuff that can work on your channel. So I and let me that. tell you, let me tell you what the best way to do this is. Cool. And it seems really simple, but it's something that I find that I have to remind creators over and over again. This platform is about storytelling. I do not care that you're doing nonfiction. Mm -hmm. I don't care that you're not doing scripted. Like 
you're here to tell a story. So tell stories within your content. A story is always better than the thousand morals, like or a thousand how-tos. Even if you're doing a baking how-to video, you need to be telling me stories in the middle of it. You need to be telling me like the story when you baked this for your family, you went on a picnic. Like the reason that they're gonna watch you rather than a, like at this point, this space is this space is very saturated, especially in like food. Like I remember looking like a couple of years ago and like literally the volume had tripled 3x in in a year mm -hmm. like it's just exponential how much content is out there the point is they can get a lasagna recipe anywhere like right. all they have to do is google lasagna recipe in fact they don't even need to watch a youtube video they can just get like the, the blog <laughs> print out mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so the reason they're watching you is not so much for the how-to they might say oh that looks delicious i'm going to go into your description and download that recipe later they're watching to hang out with you in the kitchen and so it should feel like you're hanging out with your girlfriend in the kitchen and you're exchanging stories and you're gossiping and you're doing all that fun stuff. So you have to infuse that personal bit into there else like you're going to have a very short career on the platform. Oh, absolutely. Storytelling is so key. And we kind of, the term is edutainment where you're educating, but you're also the entertainment. And I love the idea of even the how-to channels finding ways to just inject some more details, some more personality about what you're doing. But again, you need to know your audience. If your audience is coming to find out how to unclog their toilet because it's leaking all over their bathroom, well, they don't want a 20 minute vlog of you walking, you know, what you did during that day. So understanding that audience is important and knowing when to give and when to take. Now, the question is, does storytelling work across all channels? Or is it only, I mean, do you have more leeway because this is a lifestyle channel, so it's almost expected, but maybe I'll go back to my technology channel or a photography channel. Maybe that's more of, give me the facts, give me the how to, let me get out of here. I mean, I think that's a question for you. <laughs> like, I definitely have not worked across those. I still feel like you telling a funny story about how your kid broke your iPhone and this is why you have to learn how to do this or whatever that is. I think that's always going to add a, a layer of interest mm. and authenticity to any video. Um, unless your only game plan is like, I'm just here for the search quick. Right. Like, I really just, I really have a, a whole strategy designed around people looking up how to, you know, unclog a sink. Right. And that's what, and, and frankly, that's not the greatest long-term strategy because you're always going to be chasing the search beast, yes. which is really, yes. really hard. So difficult. And you always have to be on top of your game. And there's always going to be people who are going to be bigger and better or get ahead of you. And you're always on this hamster wheel. So yeah, I agree. 100% if you're chasing search, boy, <laughs> you better be able to do that. That's, that's, that's admirable. Uh, but one of the things that we love about the lifestyle world is the whole how they hook you in and how they keep you, the introduction and the intro to your video is so important and they really keep you engaged throughout the entire 10, 15 minute series until you like, wow, what, what just happened? I've just watched 10 minutes of this. I'm not even interested, but I was hooked right from the beginning. How important is that hook, that intro to maximize those retentions? 
Look, like I would say, the intro is the make or break. You might as well not have the rest of the video if your intro isn't strong. Uh, and it has to be pretty, like, here's the thing. You will never see on any channel that I work on the whole, like, you know, um, lifestyle TV trope where, you know, we're going to remake, redo your house. So you're going to see me host for the first 30 seconds, walk up to your door, knock on it, do a fake <laughs> hi. How are you? Come in the door. That, what, what is, that adds nothing. Like, okay, you have a house. We get it. This, the title is a home makeover. I get that. I'm, all I'm doing is waiting for three seconds of empty air to show you walk into this house. Right. Like that is like the kiss of death on YouTube. If you're not in three seconds immediately into like either A, telling me exactly what the video about, or if it's like really obvious, like, oh, it's a house tour in the title, you may not need to have her, her, her your host in the beginning saying, hi, right. this is a tour of my house. Maybe then it's a, a, a exciting smash cut of some sneak previews of what you're going to see in the video to get people hyped up. Mm -hmm. But you have to be in it immediately and like make that, that audio start immediately, whether that's exciting music or them talking. But you can't have these like more artistic intros that people love to do on, on TV. And, and you just have to get right into it. Never start with a logo. Like the first yes. thing that pops up should not especially be a corporate looking logo. Because that oh. immediately says inauthentic, inauthentic. <laughs> like, you know, just just get into it. Have some sort of cold open. Then if you want to show your cute like show logo, go for it. But make sure you hook them in first yes. and then get into your content as quickly as possible love that and your data will tell you that look at your retention graph for those videos and you will see the ones that you're wasting a lot of time at the beginning people drop off and they do not come back but the ones that you get a very catchy hook the one that you immediately get into it all hyped lots of energy lots of excitement those are the ones that tends to get you that retention it's the three d's of youtube is the way that, that i teach it is you've got to be discovered but you've also got a second is you've got to deliver if you're not delivering right from the outset well then you're not going to get that watch time you're not going to get that engagement you're not going to get the final d which is that distribution because you haven't sent youtube all the right signals telling them that this is good quality content so i love that thing of hook them in immediately get into it get the audience excited and don't waste their time because they've got lots and lots of opportunities to go let's look up lots of different lasagna recipes from lots of different people they want to see you because they came here for you love all of this these are superb tips not just in the lifetime sections but across the board of youtube this has been really really cool uh Gwen, if people want to find out more information where can they get more information well, you can always go to Kin's website, which is kincommunity.com, or if you kind of want to follow along with me and my career and, and the stuff that Kin is doing, you can always follow me on LinkedIn to search for Gwen Miller. Uh, I'll pop up as VP of uh, Kin, and I always post the latest things we're doing and some of the cool things I'm learning and what I'm excited about. Fantastic. And of course, we're going to have all these links in the show notes so you guys can just tippity tap and then just head right over make sure you follow also on twitter linkedin it's always cool to understand what people in the industry are doing especially people that have been there and done that lots of mistakes were made lots of learnings were done so that you can get the right information into your hands and treat youtube the way you want it if you want it as a hobby perfectly fine nothing wrong with that but if you want to make a real career out of it 
point, you need some structure. You but thank you very much for your time and appreciate all the wonderful, wonderful tips that you've given us. Thank you for having me. And for the rest of you guys still hanging out here, don't forget to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast application. Don't forget to share this episode with at least one other creator that you know is perhaps in the lifestyle space. Absolutely, they need to hear this. Or anyone else who's kind of struggling and a little bit lost in their direction, this is really going to help them a lot. Share this episode with them and we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Tube Talk. Thanks for hanging out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.